Hey guys, this is Nayoko Wichaksano. You're listening to the Wisdom Archiver. I'm once again joined with Dewi Kusuma. She's the founder and CEO of Naked Press. Prior to Naked Press, she started her career as a management trainee at HSBC and later built her career as an equity research in CLSA, Macquarie, and Nomura Bank. Our guest today is Ibu Tutihadi Putranto, a well-respected Indonesian lawyer who has been working for 40 years in capital market, corporate finance, restructuring, and government. She's the founder of Haritono & Partners, one of the largest law firms in Indonesia and affiliated with global law firm Baker & McKinsey. In 2009, she was named as one of the most powerful women in Indonesia by Globe Asia magazines. And in 2015, she was featured as the most inspiring woman in Indonesia by Forbes. Could we start by talking about your childhood and your parents and how they shaped and nurtured you to the way you are today? Well, I was born during the war, you know. Uh, <laughs> can I mention the, the year? I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was in 1943. So it was still during the Japanese period and the Dutch, you know, were still here in Indonesia as well. So in that situations, of course, you know, we did not live luxuriously. Um, in fact, as I recall, you know, and I was, I was two years old, we were in Georgia and I recall that there were bombs, you know, around my house and our house was, uh, I think, hit by the bomb, but it was a very, very strong house. And, and luckily it was intact, you know, but we all, you know, so since then, every time I heard about the sound of airplane and the sound of uh, guns, you know, I was just so scared. You know, I would just ran under the table and just shivered. Um, but that was, yeah. So the, it was not a fun experience, of course, you know. But, you know, um, out of that, you know, we all learn. I, I was born as the number four of eight siblings. Total of 10, but two passed away. So I was the number four of total eight. And out of eight, there were six girls and two boys. My parents, after we grew up, you know, were very, very strict, but very loving parents. They knew that, and they always told us anyway, you know, your time when you grow up will be different than what it is now. And so they brought us up with a lot of uh, strictness. It's almost like a military. <laughs> And we used to we used to cry, of course, when my father hit us on the head or kick us on the bottom. You know, I think people these days would call it it's a, a domestic violence, child abuse, right? <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, we call it discipline. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and and my my father especially, you know, would ask. You know, that if one of us made a mistake, you know, then the whole kids have to stand in line, just, just like all the soldiers, and we're all being punished. You know, that's what it is. You know. But we have to do all the chores at home um, from not except for preparing the food, you know, but basically setting the table, washing the dishes, and uh, watering all the 
plants and, and everything else. So that was that was what I remember. You know, another thing which was fun, you know, after school, there was no school, but we have homeschools. My grandmother basically did the teaching. And but after that quote unquote schools, you know, we all, you know, the kids, um, we would all go out into the neighborhood looking for snails. And you believe that, you know, because we use that snails to feed our ducks, you know? So we had ducks, we had horses. It was part of um, income earning for the family at that time, because of course my father was not working, running around as soldiers and guerrillas, you know, uh, fighting against the Dutch and the Japanese, you know? So my mother had to organize the whole thing. And of course we kids help, you know? So what was funny is, so, Every time we go to the neighborhood, they would say, oh, those are Patsukirno's children. Come, welcome, get our snails. <laughs> they were all very happy. <laughs> so we would go home then, chop up the snails, mix it with other um, vegetables for the, for the ducks, you know. And every morning, early in the morning, we had to wake up and collect all the eggs so that we can use that for eating or sell it in the market. So yeah. Our, our life was not, was not easy, but it was a happy life, you know, because we learn how to really socialize with each other and be responsible and be, be a team, you know, that, that was the most important thing. And then as we grew up, we moved to Jakarta. No, we moved to Surabaya first, you know, but I will not tell you the stories in Surabaya. It was four years, I was not very naughty and uh, <laughs> moved to Jakarta in 1958. And there was no electricity at our house. So we started using the oil lamp. So if we woke up late and took a quick shower, we might leave some black stuff on our nose. Yeah. And that happens until 1960 something, you know, before we finally got electricity. We didn't have any phones. But, you know, the, the fun part was in high school. You know, high school, I think it's always the best experience for everyone, you know, because that's when we really started to feel our teammates, you know, and team of, with our friends and all the naughty things, you know, where my friends would uh, before the, before the, I'm <laughs> ashamed to do this, but I think my friends would still remember how to, they did it. Uh, they would quote unquote somehow sneak in and stole the exam papers. All these men, <laughs> young men, okay, not the girls, you know. And my house was very close to the school, and they would drop it at our house, and we, the girls, we would do all the work, you know. We would do and we would train and say, oh, you know, you know, this is what's coming. You know? And the next day, of course, we could do everything nicely. And all these men were just so stupid. They're so lazy. All these men, the boys, they, they refused to write down during the exam period because they had prepared everything from home. And so what they did was just pull out the already written exam papers with all the answers which they had done the evening before, 
based on our input, the girls. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> one of them was caught. That was the end of the, the, end of the uh, era of sneaking and stealing the uh, exam paper. But it was fun. You know? and, it is. Uh, yeah. There is such a great coordination before mobile phone even exists. <laughs> that was the start of corruption, I think. <laughs> yes, I think so too. <laughs> Not to think about it. Yeah, I think it's a sort of corruption. I think two or three of my high school mates were still living and we still remember what we did at that time. It was it was stupid. It was fun for me, you know, because but I, I didn't feel guilty because I did all my work, I did all my training and I did everything, you know, but all these boys, men, you know, they, uh, I don't know what they think now. <laughs> what That's why I would say, huh? we, need more, we need more women in leadership position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, that taught me how to be a leader also. <laughs> also, I guess this this also shows um, this sort of, what would you call this? Like rebellious side would, would probably be one of the reasons why you joined some kind of activism, right? During your 1960s. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So after after high school, graduated, I went to law school. You know, with a lot of reluctancy, but my father pushed me in. So I did. You know, because of course, you know, no one said no to parents, right? Yeah. But I mentioned to my father. When I graduated, this certificate is for you, not for me. <laughs> I was that naughty. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it was in 1965, yeah, during the during the demonstrations against Sukarno. You know, we were all, you know, my my younger sisters, my younger brothers were all on the streets, uh, along with other hundreds of thousands of other uh, students. You know, it was fun. And it was good. And what was good was my parents supported us to do that. You know, wow! Even though your 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 dad worked, I mean, like, was a revolutionary who that, oh, yeah. Yeah. that fought with. But my wow. my father thought that it was for a good cause because at that mm. time Sukarno was was you know becoming a president who was a little bit. Uh, unreasonable I might think you know I don't want to use political terms but it's basically for us laymen he became very very unreasonable his desire for women what I saw at that time was that he was too too much linking into the left you know and his desire for women was just unlimited and I don't like that you know I said oh mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't stand that kind of person but anyway anyway so it was fun also because I experienced, you know, walking, we have to leave the house at five o'clock in the morning, walk all the way from my house to Jalan Salemba where the center of the activism activities were. And um, many times, many days, you know, we had to go back around late in the evening. And one day while we were walking around nine o'clock or 10 o'clock in the evening, along the one of the road going back home, we were shot by guns. Oh, and everyone says, just tear up, you know, lie down immediately. So we all so scared. We all lie down on the street and uh, see all that, that bullets 
passing through. Oh, it was so scary. You know, and one of my friends fainted. <laughs> so what do we do? And then we were so scared. It's in the late evening, and there's this one of us fainting. Next time, don't bring this one. <laughs> We had to together carry her and knock on the door of one of the houses, not knowing whose, and hoping that the people there would would open the house for us, you know. And they did, luckily. And so we put our friends on the bed and give her some drinks. And finally, you know, she was able to wake up. And when she woke up and she turned the pillows, there was a gun under there. <laughs> must be the house of one of military person she fainted again i said oh no <laughs> <laughs> this is like a comedy show comedy yeah it was like comedy show <laughs> well finally we we went home yeah but the um 1965 experience was something you know being out on the street uh against the against the government who we did not support anymore um fighting with, not fighting, but it's braving ourselves in front of, of panzers, of, of all those military people, you know? And they're aiming their guns at us, but we whispered. We were very naughty, we were very brave. We whispered, I said, Pa, don't you have children at home? Don't you know what it means for the future of your children, you know? And we saw some of them really cry. It was very touching for us too. Wow, that's um, a form of like big it was, courage. It was, yeah, so it shows that what we did is not something totally against their will because they knew that they had to do it because they're military people, but they also shared uh, our feeling. And there's still humanity inside of them as well that can empathize, right? When we were in the one of the, uh, at that time, it's a foreign affairs building. Uh, we were all in there and the you know, someone or the, the Sukarno's troops was going to uh, shoot the uh, tear gas, you know, and the military people who were all around us, you know, whispered to us, you know, get your handkerchief wet quickly. Mm. And why is it? Close your eyes. Close your eyes with that. Just close your eyes. So that's, you yeah. know, it shows us that, you know, these people really support us in many ways, but they could not do that because, because of their positions, you know, that encouraged us more. <laughs> anyway, that was the fun part. You know, there are a lot of other things, you know, where we went to, we hiked trucks, you know, and right on the trucks, went to Istana Bogor, and uh, I felt like I was shocked, you know, something fell on my back. I said, oh my gosh, you know, I got hit by, by a bullet, you know. It turns out that it was only a canary, like a walnut, on my back. How did you get inspired to get into this activism? Was this something... Oh, no, yeah. all, all of my friends, all of the students at that time were rebelling. Mm. Every single one of them, except, you know, just a few who were, of course, I did with Sukarno. How did you manage your self-doubt and all that stuff, you know, internally? 
I don't know, out of stupidity or, or, or bravery, I don't know which one, you know, but we all felt that this is our country, we want to protect our country. And that's what, mm. what's in my mind, basically. Mm. When it comes to when it comes to this country, and even until now, you know, I married uh, an American, and most people would be just so happy to then change their citizenships and or became a permanent resident in U.S. I became a permanent resident of U.S., but when I came back to Indonesia, I gave it back, and I said, and the embassy was surprised. I said, why are you giving this back? And I said, I don't want to pay tax in two countries, and I want to pay tax only in my country. And I don't yeah. want to change my citizenship because I know I'm an Indonesian. I want to work in Indonesia. I do not want to work in Indonesia using a work permit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm very stubborn on that. Yeah. Yeah. And so wow. I you have a big I, love for this country. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's why it hurts when I see, wow, you know what pe some people do to this country or people or any citizens who do not believe in this country. I think this country is just the greatest. I think if only the people know what needs to be done. I agree. Thank you. Tuti, so I've, I've been involved in some activism. I think for me, the, to start is quite easy if there's a spark, but what keeps you going even though you got you got shot and then you got a friend who fainted during the demonstration. Like what keeps you coming back? Is it the same fire or how is it? It's the feeling that, the feeling that we have to protect this country. Mm. It's, I guess it's almost like, I, I don't know about military, but I know that during the war, all you have to, all you know is that I want, this country to be free, you know, and there's nothing else. And that's exactly what I felt. And I think it was also what was felt by a lot of other students at that time. Mm -hmm. we, we had no fear, no fear at all. And from time to time, I would see my mother walking among, among the students. And I could see her, wow. I said, I asked her, why are you, why are you walking all along to see us or to see students? And said, well, I want to make sure that everyone is okay. What essentially has changed in terms of, you know, based on, you have a dream, right? But, and goals, uh, has it changed throughout the My dream was very simple because we, during the war, we had to live in, you know, whatever we had at that time, it was very little, of course, you know, that we live in a nice big house and big old buildings and things like that, you know, but food was scarce. Uh, school was not, was a luxury. And so when my dream was basically that I want to live successfully, I do not want to suffer. I want I want to be happy and happy at that time, at that time in my early, early childhood or early uh, womanhood, it's basically happy means I have to have a good position somewhere, somehow, and good salary. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about anything else, you know, because that was the 
it was totally the opposite of what I experienced, right? Because the experience of all of those during the war. So I said, I do not want to live in that kind of situation. So hydro- is, is, is that also how you define success? The same? No, same. success changes along the way. Success changes along the way. Success at that time, meaning that basically live nicely, peacefully, luxuriously, you know, but um, when I became a lawyer, you know, that all changed. I said, I became bored, you know, having all the money I have and I can buy this, I can buy that. And then what is it? Is it, is it success? I don't think so. What are some of the challenges you faced as a woman? And also, how do you differentiate yourself from others? I was probably, there are quite a few women litigations, I guess, not a few, but there were, you know, women litigators. Uh, but I was one of the very, very first women in the world of corporate lawyer. Corporate law is not something which was practiced at that time. Uh, the Foreign investment law was only introduced in 1967, and corporate law was unknown until then. Hmm. Uh, because people, when they go to lawyers, they go because they have case. They have case. They have something to be uh, litigated with. So hmm. they don't go to law to lawyers to ask for business or a contract or uh, merger or acquisition. No, that was totally unknown. Yeah. So to me, that was interesting because then I, I never liked litigations. You know, to me, litigations where you have to fight uh, black or white, you know, I don't think the world is like that. It's just like when my definition of success changes, you know, I don't believe there is a, a right or wrong Thing, uh, which is so divine and or black and white, which is so clear. Uh, I don't think so. Life is a mixture of a lot of things, you know. Um, and that's why I like the business part. You know, business is like that, you know. People do business because they want to achieve something. They may not be able to achieve it directly. They may have to go around a little bit, but, you know, they achieve that. And I like that. You know, to me, so it was helping, helping companies, helping the business makes me feel good. You know, whenever, whenever I finish doing a deal, a big deal, especially, and then I feel that oh, this is it, you know, satisfactions. I feel that's, that's what I call a success at the time. I feel very successful and I feel myself being so content and happy that I finish, you know, a major job. What, what do you think are some of your successful strategies that you think can help women today achieve a more prominent role in their organization? See, the, the, of course, during the early years of practicing law, it was not easy. Um, people are not used in Indonesia or foreign, you know, are not used to seeing Indonesian women lawyers in the, in the, world of men, you know, because corporate is always seen as, at that time at least, was seen as a man's world, you know, so it was not easy. But I had two expatriates lawyers who helped me all the time, who always encouraged me. I said, Tuti, don't worry, you know, people do not know you, 
but just look at us, look at us, follow us, what we are doing, you know. So that that encouraged me a lot, you know, and I'm very, very grateful today. To, having mentors. Yeah. yeah, to having mentors like that, you know, because there's no one in Indonesia who I could look up, no one. Yeah. And so having all those expatriates working with me who are very dear and mentoring me, <laughs> I didn't, yeah. even, you know, could you believe that? Um, they asked me, Tuti, what is your five-year plan? I said, five-year plan? I don't even know what my one-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I know about the world I'm entering into. <laughs> so they, they, they laugh at me and they said, okay, not to worry. You know, just see us, watch us, you know, we'll go through with you. So that's that's what it is, you know. And then the more work I did in the corporate, and I I never felt that I should be different than those, than other people, or that I should feel um, being underestimated or being looked at, no. I just looked and every time I go into the meeting, I would just look at all of them and be very, very confident that I said, and I keep on telling myself, I know I could do it, you know. So I never felt that after that, you know, after all the mentors I got, you know, for probably about three years, you know, I basically just built my confidence so much that, you know, entering any meeting rooms, I would feel happy and in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe in women shouting and screaming um, you know, that they are women, they have to be protected, they have to be given opportunities. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't do that. You know, I support those, you know, but I don't do that for me. You know, I, for me, what I did is basically that I have to work hard. It's only by working hard, by showing that I could do every single assignment, every single deals which I'm leading, then they will look up at me. They will see the difference on the merits, on the capability, instead of on the gender. And that's, I, I believe very strongly in that. Yeah, I think having a mentor is very, very important, especially when you first started, right, to guide you. Yep. And then later on, the work itself will help you. Yeah. And I like the trust from clients. You know, I was maybe, maybe I've been very lucky because clients trust me so much so much that I, I can't believe it. I started practicing in 1971 and until mm. I retired in 2015, I still have one of my early clients with me. Wow. So the trust from client is also something which makes me believe that yes, what I've done is right, you know? And it's amazing you have quite a big of achievement like the IPO of Telcom. Yeah, Telcom was another one that was probably one of the best experience, one of the most difficult deals I had done, one of the (laughs) most complex, difficult in the sense that too big, you know, very big, telecom is huge, big company. And and at that time I have to deal with so many underwriters, local as well as foreign. It's, Uh, it's amazing. And I was complaining to the CEO. I remember I told the CEO, how could you allow this many 
underwriters, you know, even to deal with four of them were so difficult. And it's more than five. I said, it's going to be very, very difficult. But, and then he said, no, Ibujuti, because they promised to be seamless. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> 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 How could all these investment bankers work seamlessly when they're competing with each other? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but that's 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 good experience. Six Actually, months. Yeah, six, six months nonstop, with only probably about three or four hours of sleep. Six months. That is actually very fast for telecom. Yeah, but it was all the preparation before that was something, you know. But six months nonstop. Ah, oh, I even slept at telecom's office. <laughs> oh, it was awful. But until now, you know, we're good friends with the CEO. <laughs> you have camped together. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, a right yeah. of passage. <laughs> when we when we recall about our experiences about how we bang each other while we someone at Telecom shouted at my staff because because this is the director of finance at the time, shouted at my staff because he accused my staff was not doing it right and challenged him. Mm. I heard about it, you know, my staff reported to me, my other staff reported to me, and I went to them, to him immediately, and I said, what's wrong? And the telecom guy mentioned to me that my staff was not right, doing things wrong, mm. and I said, it can't be. It cannot be because we check documents and we check the documents against appraisal who went on the field. So it can't be wrong. So, so he banged on the table shouting at me and I bang it back. <laughs> good job. <sighs> Actually, Bututi. But we're good friends now. We're all good friends. After that, you know, we hug each other. We, we said sorry. But um, that was just how stressful things were at that time. Again, you know, learning to learning to unite and work as a team uh, went through that kind of moment. Oh, actually, I just wanted uh, to ask you, you mentioned a lot about teamwork. So how do you instill team? How do you think um, your life experience instilled the teamwork? Is it from the kids or like, um, is there like a lot of things that actually support that belief and support that way of thinking? In my family, I think it started with family. In my family, yeah. again, remember that when my father punished us, yeah. one of us make a mistake, the whole kids had to stand in line and we all get punished. <laughs> oh, it started with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a smart way to do parenting as well, right? You kind of, you kind of <laughs> delegate. <laughs> oh no! So we all have to say that. See, so next time you've got to make sure that you do your work, so we're not punished like that. So we learn that when you. Uh, oh, I remember at that time it was because a nail clipper. My father had a place for nail clipper. Somehow, when he wanted to use that. He could not find it because one of us must have misplaced it or use it and not put it back. Oh, he was so upset. Just because of the nail clipper, we all had to stand in line and our heads were hit so hard. So now if, if I'm having a kras kapala, it's all because of that training. 
<laughs> Where's that nail clipper right now, Boo? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's gone. Gone with him. <laughs> historic artifact. It was so historic. But we we learned that we siblings, we have to always help each other. We have to yeah. support each other. And my 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 father and my mother were two two different characters. My father is very, very strict, military-like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was always good at teaching us something, teaching us. Mm-hmm. My mother is just totally the opposite. You know, what she is doing is just full of love of nothing else. That when my father got upset at us, you know, she was the one who's crying and said that, look, you know, you he was very upset at you, but you know what? In fact, he was very upset at me because in that somehow he's basically saying that I did not educate you enough that wow. you made a mistake. So that's that's the way my mother brought us up, you know. And many times we also misuse that trust. <laughs> it makes me wanted to have more kids, Bututi, because of your story. Actually, how many how many kids do you have at the moment? Just one. As long as, you know, my, my point is that be responsible with whatever you have or given by God, you know, and I have one girl and I wanted to make sure that she get the best educations which she wants to or she can achieve and be happy so that she's mm-hmm. able to help others. What is she doing at the moment? She is a U.S. diplomat. Mm-hmm. She is a U.S. citizen. So I'm the only Indonesian now uh, in the family. Um She married also an American who is also a U.S. US diplomat. So both of them are posted in Myanmar right now. Oh, oh wow. wow. Right now. Yep. It's very volatile. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. So what do we do? What do parents do? Praying. Yeah. Nothing else. Praying. <laughs> oh, God. <You> know. <laughs> Whenever I talk with her, I told her that, you know, This is my experience in 1965. Don't worry. You just have to be there. At least you're with the embassy. You know, yeah. I was not with any immunity protections at that time. And I was on the street because I believe in my country. And, mm. and she said, yeah, okay, understand. But it's not easy for them, you know, for young kids these days to see the military coup And the civilians fighting for their freedom, for their rights, you know, it's not easy. It it, it breaks their heart. Yeah, it's quite bloody. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's an experience in life. That countries run by people and people many times are not free from power, power, uh, needs of power and needs of of uh, authorities of money and that's bad you know because when people start thinking about power means money means authority that people will be very greedy and they will never stop wanting more how do you balance uh, between work and life responsibility i actually actually before that does a balanced life actually exist? balance of life no not easy <clears throat> i think there were Of course, we all want to have balance in life, you know, and that was always an issue also at the office with all of the associates, with all the lawyers, with all the partners, you know, it's all balance of life, you know. But 
for me personally, I I believe that's why I only have one child. <laughs> yeah, but I feel but you. I, yeah, but I told yeah because I I was also under a lot of pressures to have more, and I said no, I can't. I only want to have one because I want to work. Is mm. is needed, you know. I need to work because if I don't work, I could go crazy, you know. So what what energizes you about work? That what? You're so is the what is the thing that energizes you about work that you love it so much? My clients, I think, just dealing with clients, dealing with issues, feeling good about it, feeling good that I can do something to help them, and also feeling about me being very useful. You know, at home, what do I do? I don't know. Taking care of the house, taking care of the family, taking. You care love traveling, don't you? Well, I traveled when I work, yeah. But you know, when I when I'm at home and not earning any money and just hoping that my husband be kind enough to <laughs> 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 give me money, I, I never I never want to put myself in that situation. Yes, yes, yes. Agree. <laughs> Amen to that. Jerry, agree. You know? Amen to that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not able to relate, but uh, I'll listen to both of you on this. <laughs> I know that even, even if my husband is willing to do that, you know, yeah, it's I don't feel not good. the same. It's not I don't the same. feel good. I feel like I need to be able to because I know I can. Yeah, no, I can, yeah. and I I feel the need of doing that. You know, that's yeah. part of that's part of what makes me feel good. What makes me become what I am, I guess, you know. Agree. Yeah. So even even after I retire now, you know, I immediately work with GT Group, with CIMB Niaga, with Astra, with Morgan Stanley, with you know, I, I just can't stop. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So there... Bututi, huh? yeah. go ahead, Dewi. Go ahead, Dewi. Oh, Talking about work, I think your vision of the partnership model in Hahape is amazing. Can you tell me more about it? Because I actually wanted to apply it in my own company as well. And I wanted to know what's your experience when you established that. Yeah, um, I guess it all started with, it all started with uh, my disappointments in seeing law firms in Indonesia, where it's always one person sole proprietary with a lot of associates. Mm -hmm. And that was the case all the time, you know, from mm -hmm. my professor, 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 they all have just professor this and associates. That's always the name mm -hmm. of the law firm, you know, and I said, how could it be, you know? And then when I, when I uh, started working also, and I noticed, that I worked with one of the most prominent lawyer at that time, but his skills was basically in litigation. And he barely comes to the office because he knew nothing about corporate. So mm -hmm. I let, I let, you know, even though I was new, but I had two mm -hmm. expatriate mentor, you know, mm -hmm. I basically let that practice and work very hard at it. And, and he gets all the benefit. And I think this is not fair. You know, so yeah. that's that's the first feeling which I got. But since I was new, you know, I didn't do anything and just work to get all the experience with all the 
mentor uh, which I got, you know. Mm -hmm. And then after I got married, I studied in uh, US, University mm -hmm. of Washington. And mm -hmm. I looked at all those law firms there where law firms have managed to be established for years, hundreds of years, you know. Look at Skadernop, look at all Inglaters, look at all, you know, all those big names. I said, oh, how could it be, you know? So that intrigued me. Mm -hmm. And so when I came back to Indonesia, I made my life, I made my decisions. That's the kind of law firm I would like to have, you know. So in order to maintain the sustainability, to really build an institutions, you know, if I want to have another law firm, set up a new law firm, I have to make sure that the law firm is open for all the lawyers to become partners in that firm. Because, you know, as, as professionals, as lawyers, what is the highest achievement you can get? Is be the owner, be the partner of that firm, right? Yeah. In a company, you'd be a controlling company, you'd be the CEO, but it's not like that in a professional firm. And so that's, that's what I think, you know, and to me with the system, if we open up, open up the firm for everyone so that they know that they can build their career. I mean, the loyalty is there because they know that one day they can be part of the owner of that firm. As a founder, you had a very long-term horizon. Yeah. Yeah, because I saw that every every time, you know, in Indonesia, law firms would establish and then they split and then disappeared, you know. A law, another mm. law firm established and then they disappeared because, because most of the associates or the senior associates all left, you know, and they set up another small law firm. Why do that, you know? Why not keep all those good associates and be part of your partners? But that... But that um, requires me, at least, not to be greedy. So, and I don't want to be greedy. I want to share. I want, because sharing means more, you know? If we, it's, you know, in the banking day, we, you know that yeah. a small pie is just a small pie and you can eat them all. But if you want to have a bigger pie, you have more people to work on it and you can share and you get more. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's basically what I did. What's what's your vision for the future for Hafei? So the system is there. You know, when you have a system, you know, the systems of the management is there. The system of um, sharing is there. You know, the compensations, how we agree on the compensation is there. So I think that's it's you know it it should be there. Mm -hmm. That's it, man. Yeah, it's, you know, I, reti I retired in 2016, so it's now five years, and they continue to expand. You know, I don't even know the lawyers there anymore. <laughs> but uh, I hope, I hope and I pray that it will continue, and so far, so good, you know. Bututi, what is success for you now? After I retire? Yeah. Success, when, success when I was still an international partner, I told you, meaning yeah. 
success after I managed to close a deal for clients, you know, successful deals, big deals, something which has never been done before or, or a deal which was so cutting edge, you know, it was to me that is full satisfaction. I feel so successful. I feel mm. so good about myself you know, at that time. Mm. Uh, but now it's very different. To me, success means uh, probably continue working, but it's also more sharing because I have more time. Teaching as well, right? Coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling, feeling that I can share with a lot of people. I can talk with a lot of people. I, you know, it's the balance. Success means the balance of life is achieved now. Mm. You know, because I feel like my life is so much balanced. Uh, when when I work, I tried to believe that my life was balanced, but I know it was not. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to believe in something, right? You know, yeah. and and I, you know, I at the time I remember that all my family members were so upset that I only have Ariani instead of having more, and I said that. Let's just prove to ourselves, you know, who can who can um, um, bring up their kids, whether it's a mother who stays 24 hours at home or a mother who works and only spend a quality time during the weekend. Interesting. And? And of course I'm successful. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> you know, I meant I make sure that I could do it. You know, I set up a game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And success is different. Success is more balanced in life. I can, I can travel if I want to. Um, I work, and I, yeah, I don't lead deals, which is so stressful. <laughs> you know that day. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but yes. I'm involved in almost all cases, which is nice. And I'm still somehow involved in various legal issues, not in detail, but big policy issues. Yeah. Mm, it's yeah. quite itchy, huh? You want to get back into some actions. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, Bhututi. See, I know that uh, we're almost uh, time's up, almost up. Um, I wanted to ask a few, just a few last questions. Uh, first is, what do you think are some of the best advice you can give to the next generation of leaders? And what are the things that do you what, think? What do I think about what? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, what are the best advice you can give to the next generation of leaders today? And what are some of the attributes uh, that 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 the current generation? Uh, like to possess today, in your opinion, and they, that they, they should possess? I think one of my worries about the next generation is that they all want things fast. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was because of the whole development of digital, of social media, where everything is just instantly done, you know? In the old days, I told you, I didn't even have a telephone. In order to make a phone call, I have to walk around my neighbors and borrow the phone. And I didn't have a mobile phone until uh, 19, 1991, 1990. You know, when I moved to this house, you know, it was for Ariani. 
And at that time, the mobile phone was available in Indonesia was that one which is so big and so heavy that you could throw that to a thief and they die immediately. <laughs> just, I don't believe that, you know. But anyway, I think that's what the next gen is lacking. You know, they many times, Patience. This is what I see, what I see in the office at times, many times they were very impatient. They want everything instant. They want everything to be quick, then be recognized immediately. And I said, well, that's not the way to work in a professional firm, you know, but you have to go through step by step and really making sure that, that uh, you go through the necessary uh, evaluations. But these kids just don't understand that. So to me, they just have to learn patience, learn yoga, that will help. Mm. Yeah, balance. balance. Again, you know, the digital is something which we cannot avoid. Willingly or not, you know, it will come and it will dominate our lives, which is true. You know, I want, I, you know, I know my daughter do not want to have their kids touch mobile phones and and computer, but now with COVID, even though they're only six years old and four years old, they have to deal with it already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hear you. So it's like patience and a form. Uh, in a way, it's also you touch your 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 concept is also kind of like stoicism, right? Yeah. Being more stoic in 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 a sense, right, and not not react so quickly or like and be able to think further as well. Yeah, I think what's important also then to teach them on um, what is right and what is not so right. You know, I'm not sure. Wrong is something which is easy to say, you know, but wrong may not necessarily be the truth these days, you know. So I think it's important for parents to help them analyze things you know, rather than being quick to jump into a conclusions because that's what the source math is teaching them. But they need to go back and really think through, analyze it before they come up into a conclusion. There's no verification step, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a big challenge, you know, to balance that skills because that is something which is not taught at school, but hopefully parents these days will have the time to teach their children how to do it. In the old days, we have we have dictionary, we have, uh, what is that book, which is- uh, Encyclopedia? What? Encyclopedia? Encyclopedia. Yeah, we have encyclopedia. These days, do they know? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt. You know, Google. Yeah. Google, yeah, Mr. Google. Yeah. All they know without analysis, it's just a very brief one sentence, two sentences. So I think what's important is to give them a bit background so that they know how to analyze that. Mm. They need to see things. Uh, not linear just by reading the Googles or reading one articles, but they need to understand that everything comes because of a conclusions of something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, teaching amazing. them holistically. See things, it's not only some from one point of view, but it's also from others. Otherwise, you know, it's just too, too fast and they, they may miss a lot of things. 
That's my oh. view anyway. Thank you so much. Um, Dewi, do you have any last questions you wanted to ask? Um, I think for, I, I want that you have gone through a lot, like when the, even the corporate lawyer just started and to now, do you think there's a big progress already in like women leadership? And if not, like, what do you wish to see for the women leaders? In the future, I think there are a lot of developments in women's leaders. You know, I could see that a lot of women in business, which are so encouraging. There are a lot of women in uh, as politicians, you know, which are very encouraging. And mm -hmm. there could be more, of course, you know, uh, still not balanced enough. But as compared to when I started in 1970s, what we have achieved is just huge. A lot of discrimination still, yes, you know, but I think more in the, if you could see that more in the bottom level. And what is so sad in ways, because in Indonesia, women always work. When you go into the market, who are there? It's the women. Yeah. You go to market in Java, especially, no men in Java market, all women. It's only in West Java, you could see when I moved to from, from Jogja to Surabaya and then Surabaya to Jakarta, I was shocked that men were in the market, but not in Java, in Central Java or in East Java, it's all dominated by women. And mm -hmm. so when you see that women are basically workers, you know, one wonders why there are not more women uh, climbing up to the ladders to the top. But it will be there, I'm sure. Yeah, we need more inspiration. Yep. Like yourself, and more and more of the, you know, women from, like to be heard, like from from your generation. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of good women, good thinker, good writer. Probably not shouting, just like me, just doing the work and then be known. You know. Uh, which is very different than in the West. You know, in the West, in order to achieve that equality, you know, a lot of them are sh screaming and shouting. But at the end, you know, they achieve also a lot more. <laughs> exactly. So plus and minus. <laughs> for me, for me, I think um, the radicalism has to be there yet, and then you introduce the tempered radicalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time, Ibututi. And thank you, Dewi, for co-hosting with me. I Ibututi. hope you enjoyed it as well. Yeah, do you enjoy it? I hope you enjoyed it as well. All right. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe. I'm your host, Naeko Jackson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>